0: Do please take a seat. If you will turn with me into two Timothy three, we're going to be looking at verses uh, ten of first Second Timothy three through verses five of Second Timothy chapter four. Yeah, it's good to be uh, back up here opening God's word to us. It's it's been uh, what's it been about six or seven weeks now. I feel I feel pretty lazy, but it's been nice to have kind of some time to. Uh, to recharge, to uh, do some readings and things. So we're, the, this week and next week, so um, we're going to be doing a short series through uh, our values as a church. Our, our vision for, for, for Grace Church Hammersmith, you can see it here uh, to my right, is, is for, for those in, in Hammersmith and the surrounding communities to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And our, our values really reflect uh, well Richard preached on on that last week but our, our values are, are really meant to reflect uh, how we believe the Lord does that uh, in our lives and in our church and so we have we have three values uh, the first that we're looking at this morning is, is God's word uh, this evening we'll we'll look at our second which is God's people or the fellowship of, of Christians Christian community uh, and next Sunday morning we'll look at uh, our third value which is God's mission so what is it? Uh, what is God calling us to as a church? Well, We, we see this morning uh, just the, the, the importance of being a community that's built around and centered on the word of God. And we, we hear that from Paul uh, as he writes to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I'll read beginning in verse 10, and I'll read through verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 5. That's on page 936 of your church Bibles, and it's also on your insert. And this is God's word. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching years, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forevermore. So what's the value in, in us bringing our lives into accord with Scripture. After all, the Bible is quite an old book, isn't it? It's been around a long time. Is it still relevant? Haven't we moved past all of that? We have science. We have the wisdom of the Enlightenment. Aren't those those better than the Bible? Haven't they they disproved the Bible? What's the value in us as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, looking to the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as our authority. Well, Paul here says there's, there's tremendous value in it. He says it's, it's not only because it's, it's timeless, but, but actually it's, it's powerful in our lives. You notice what, where, where he begins here with uh, reminding Timothy of, of the things that, that he suffered, the, the persecutions that he suffered for, for the things that he's believed. What's he, what's he say he's clung to that whole time? He says he's, he's clung to the promises of the word of God. There's, there's real power in the word of God beyond simple wisdom and, and even more than, than just simply uh, a, a guide for, for the Christian life. There's real power in it. He tells Timothy quite explicitly that if you want to know God, if you want to, to understand who you are and who you were, were made to be, if you want to know how to be made right with a holy God, then you must, you must do as, as Paul indicates Timothy was already doing, and that is to hold fast to the word of God, to know the sacred writings, the Old and New Testament. In fact, Paul affirms that, doesn't he, in, in Timothy in verse 15. He says from his, his youth that he acquainted himself with these, these sacred writings. At that time, that would have been the, the Old Testament. The, the books that we know as the Old Testament, written written hundreds of years even before before Paul and Timothy themselves lived. These two men could have could have said, "Aren't these aren't these just very old books? You know, aren't they are, are they really still relevant for us? Don't we have the the wisdom of the Roman Empire and the the philosophy of the Greeks? Is there any value in knowing the Scriptures of the Old Testament?" Well, Paul tells Timothy, "Yes, that there's tremendous value in knowing." in conforming our hearts and lives to God's word. And he presents here uh, the reasons why we as a church value the word of God. And it's because if, if God's spoken into our world, then as his, his creatures, it not only benefits us to, to know his word and the truth it presents to us, but, but actually we have an obligation to God as his people, as his creatures, to listen to and to obedient and be obedient to his word. And what I hope we see this morning is that, that, that at this obligation uh, isn't actually burdensome in the end. Because God's word was spoken to, to call us to himself. To offer us life and help and peace and purpose. See, the word of God speaks to the, the deepest longings of our hearts. That's why, that's why we keep coming back to us. It calls us to be truly human. It calls us to, to understand who we are as God created us to be. That we're called and, and created to glorify God and to enjoy him. And that's actually incredibly profound. And it's a, it's a lifelong struggle to be renewed by the truths held in God's word. And that's why we as a church bind ourselves to it. That's why when we gather Sunday mornings and evenings, we, we come to to hear God's Word. When we get together on Wednesday evenings, we, we study God's Word together. Everything we do as a church is built around knowing and embracing the Word of God. And there's four things for us to see this morning to help us understand why we as a church and, and why you as a follower of Christ should embrace and value God's Word. Four things. One, the heart of Scripture Second, we'll see the, the nature of Scripture. Third, the payoff of Scripture. And then finally, our calling as the Church of Christ. So first, let's look at at what Paul says is, is the heart of Scripture. Verses 14 and 15. What does Paul say is the real value of Scripture? He tells Timothy that, that, that the Scripture makes one wise for salvation through faith in Christ. This is actually the, the heart of Scripture going all the way back to the, the very beginning of it. Uh, Remember, the sacred writings Timothy would have known would have been, uh, at this stage, mostly the Old Testament books. And these are the the same books that that Paul had been raised on as well. And we often think uh, there's this this divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That the the New Testament is is better, the Old Testament's outdated. But Paul indicates here that that the purpose of, of the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, all of Scripture is to point us to, to salvation in Christ. That it's all useful, as we'll see in a moment. But let's stop and think for a moment about, about those books in the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to begin in, in uh, a couple weeks' time uh, a series through the early chapters of Genesis. It's going to be a great series. I hope you'll join us for that. But Genesis was written by, by the prophet Moses as he was leading the, the children of Israel uh, these, the, through, uh, through the desert the after they had been freed from slavery in Egypt. So what do a group of, of recently enslaved people need to hear when they're, they're wandering seamlessly, seemingly aimlessly for a generation through a, a barren wilderness land? Well, they need to know who they are. They need to know that they're more than, than just dust they need to understand the, the very core of humanity, that they're, they're more than slaves. They're more than slaves to, to the powerful in this world. That they're, they're more, that, that, that their lives have, have a real meaning in it, and their lives have a real direction, even when it doesn't feel that way. And that's what we hear in Genesis, that God created us in his image, that he, that he formed us, that he knows us uh, and created us Intimately. That there's a, a, there, there are powerful forces in this world that would that would enslave and abuse us because sin's entered into our world. And that every heart is, is subject to sin. But we're told that, that God, out of his mercy, has, has promised uh, to save his people, to set apart for himself a people to call his own and to belong to him. And it's a long journey to that salvation. But, but Paul tells Timothy... These things he's, he's read as a youth, these, these promises that he's heard have been fulfilled in, in Christ Jesus. That all the promises that were made uh, in the Old Testament, all the way back in Genesis and all the prophets in between, were, were pointing to Jesus. And now Paul and the other apostles, the, the New Testament writings that we possess, point us back to Jesus. You see, Christ is the very heart of Scripture because he's our salvation. He's everything that was promised by God from the beginning. And this point is, is foundational, and Paul really leans into it with Timothy. And Timothy was, uh, you, you may remember, a, a young man that Paul was, was equipping and training up for the ministry. He was a young pastor in the church. He, he leans into this point back then. Because like today, there were, there were many people who would, who would abuse and, and use the, the message of God's word for their own purposes. They would take it and they would twist it. For their own for their own reasons to to gain influence you know we we hear that today don't we you know we see that in 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 some churches today when the 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 word of God is used to to convince people that that they should give money to their minister ex- excessive amounts of it that he's the minister enriches himself by taking the word of God and, and twisting it we hear it today when people say things like uh, you know, Jesus was all about love and he would never judge you, you you're fine just, just the way that you are actually what Paul says is, is that we aren't alright the way that we are and that's the whole point of God's word he says that we're, we're lost and we're foolish and we're, we're, we're wandering this broken world looking for, for answers in all the wrong places We're looking for purpose. We're looking for wisdom. We're looking for truth. What does he say the scriptures do? He says they make us wise. They make us wise for salvation. How? By being our authentic selves, right? No. They make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says that's the heart of scripture. That's what it's all about. If if, if that's not what you hear when you read scripture, then you're reading it wrong. It shows us our need for a Savior and that God has met that need in Christ. But Paul doesn't stop there, does he? That's that's the heart of God's word. And it's Paul's thesis here. But but uh, he tells us more about Scripture. The second thing he tells us is the nature of Scripture. The nature of Scripture, that, that Scripture has been spoken by God. Look back at, at verse 16. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And that's quite a bold statement, isn't it? Paul's literally saying that the scriptures are, are God speaking into our world. And he, he doesn't want us to make any mistake about that. He doesn't want us to misunderstand him. When he says that, that all scripture is, is breathed out by God, that it's it's God-breathed or, or God-spoken, uh, he, in the, in the Greek that the, this was written in, uh, Paul uses a, a word that doesn't appear anywhere else in scripture or, or in any other Greek text that we're aware of. Something that maybe Paul coined this term himself, which, which may or may not be the case, we don't know. But the, the point is that that he, he deliberately uses this term so that we, we don't miss the point. And we can't miss the point. He's underlining here the, the, the work of God, the voice of God in Scripture. And the implications are, are critical for us as a church. If God has spoken, as Paul says he has, then we have an obligation to listen. And we have an obligation to look nowhere else to, to know the mind and heart of God. That's why as a, as a church, everything we do is, is to, to point you back to God's word, to encourage you to engage with it every day of your life because the scriptures alone are, are how we know and how we hear the voice of God. It's where his will for us is made most clear and his desires for us are known. and What this means for us both collectively and individually is that we have to bend our hearts and our minds to the scriptures. We have to be honest and say that that's, that's often painful. You know, I've, I've at times had to sit down with many of you in, in this room and I've, I've had to say hard things to you. Things that I've not enjoyed saying to you. Some of you know what I'm, I'm talking about. But I say those things not, not simply as... friend and not simply as as your minister. I say those things and I hopefully point you back to to God's word because the calling of of Christ and the calling of of the word of God for us as a church is to be uh, obedient to his word, to love it, to embrace it, to bend our hearts and minds to it even when it tells us things we don't want to hear, even when it's painful. But we do it because it's the word of God, as Paul says here. I think it's also worth flagging up uh, on this point, uh, an important distinction. Sometimes you, uh, some of you may have come from churches or been to churches where uh, when the minister gets up and is is about to read the scripture, they'll say something like, listen for the word of God. But I hope you've uh, heard of what we say here before the readings of scripture. We're very intentional about it. We say this is God's word. And the difference may seem subtle, but I think it's it's important for us to understand uh, what's happening when, when we use these two different phrases. You know, we're, we're intentional at Grace Church in what we say because of what Paul says here, that the, the Scripture is God's Word. And you know, when you hear someone say, listen for the Word of God, what they're really inviting you to do is not not to hear God's Word, but to, to listen for something that feels to you like like that's God's word for you. You see how subjective that is? That it's, it's stripping the authority out of the word of God. It's making you the, the authority over it. It becomes God's word when you feel in your own heart that it has meaning for you. But Paul says it's that, that God's word is, is God's word. It's an authority because it comes from outside of ourselves. It is God's word that's an objective statement that this is and this is a watershed issue for us as a church and for you as an individual, what do you look at and look to as your authority and again, I won't pretend like it's it's easy to be obedient to God's word it's not it's hard it's painful isn't it sometimes God's word asks us to give up things that we love sometimes it asks us to to do things that feel uh really hard and impossible sometimes it it calls us to, to admit that we're wrong. I say sometimes for those, but but actually it's it's every day, isn't it? It's constantly, it's constantly telling us to give up things that we love. It's constantly asking us to do things that feel impossible. It's constantly calling us to to see our sin, to, to admit that we're wrong, to repent for the way we've harmed others. So why should we listen to it? If it's so hard, why should we conform our lives to it? Yeah, uh, you know, we're all thinking it. It's my job to ask, what's in it for me? Right. That's what we really want to know. Uh, I hope we can can begin to see the answer to that in our third point, the the payoff of Scripture. What's what's in it for us? Why should we bend our hearts and minds uh, and be obedient to to Scripture? Well, because as, as John Calvin says, in it is contained a perfect rule for a good and happy life. The scriptures contain a perfect rule for a good and happy life. Yes, the things it calls us to are hard, but as we we more and more enter into and cling to the truths contained in God's word, the the hardships turn to joyful service and obedience. The things we think that are killing us actually turn out to be the things that are giving us life. To use a, a bit of a a harsh example, Scripture acts a bit like chemotherapy. You know, chemotherapy is, objectively, it's poison, isn't it? Too much of it would, would kill a patient. But just the right amount targeted to the right areas of the body, just, just the right amount, is, is, uh, kills off the cancer that, that would otherwise kill a patient. Chemo is literally killing a person so that they can live. That sounds an awful lot like what God's word actually calls us to do, doesn't it? To die to ourselves and to live for Christ. As Christ said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, Paul points to to the payoff, doesn't he, though, in verse 17. What's the purpose of scripture? What's the purpose of killing ourselves to live? That the man of God may be complete, and equipped for every good work. Now how does that How does that work? How does this thing that, that feels so painful actually equip us and make us better, equip us to do good works? Paul tells us in the, the second half of verse 16 how we're called as his church to use the scriptures. And I'm, I'm going to very briefly run us through each of these uh, in turn because if we're going to be a, a proper church of Christ... And if we're going to be properly obedient to his word, then we have to employ uh, all of these uses of scripture appropriately. First, Paul says the scripture is useful or, or profitable for teaching. I know this sounds very basic, but what, uh, let's just reflect for a moment on, on what we're talking about when we talk about teaching. When, when my children walk back into school this week, they're going to sit down and, and their teachers are going to impart to them knowledge that they, that they don't have sitting here today. Like right now, you wouldn't know it just by looking at them. They, they look really intelligent, but there, there's so many things. There's gaps in their knowledge. They're, they're really quite ignorant. I love you guys. I'm ignorant too. I, for, but but, but what, what's going to happen when they go into school? Well, well the teacher's going to, to teach them things that they didn't already know. They're going to impart knowledge to them. She, they're, they're going to open, uh, open their minds to, to see more of the world than they already knew. And the teacher can never assume that that they already know something, can they? They're going through a, a year-by-year process of, of there, there's a curriculum that's laid out of, of what they need to know in, in this year and the next year and the next. They can't assume that they already just know it. Because otherwise there'll be gaps. They'll, they'll miss some essential information. And that's what Paul is telling us as a church, that God's Word is is useful for teaching that means it contains information it contains truth that people don't just naturally know. we don't receive it just through osmosis and we, we couldn't just figure it out on our own. We have to patiently and painstakingly walk with one another through God's word because there's there's a lifetime worth of knowledge that it that it reveals to us. every single one of us, including myself need. Uh, need to know the word of God more and more. The second thing Paul says scripture is useful for is, is for reproof. And reproof isn't a word that we hear very often uh, anymore, but it, it really means uh, to rebuke. It's, it's similar to correction that we'll see in a moment, but it's, it's different really in, in the strength of, of the correction. Paul's calling the church to, at times, strongly correct believers who are in error. I take this as, as in some sense a reference to discipline where the, the church is called to rebuke a person who is unre- in unrepentant error, someone who's, who's denying some essential truth of the faith. And it's a danger not only to their own souls but, but to, to possibly leading others astray. Paul calls us as a church to, at times, uh, to, to take clear and strong stands in rebuking and correcting error. But he also says we have to be wise about when to do that. Which is why Paul says the the third thing that that Scripture is useful for correction. And correction is 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 uh, more gentle. It's where someone isn't isn't simply isn't being stubborn, uh, in in their unbelief or, or stubborn in their error. But they they just need to be be gently and lovingly shown the truth. And Paul Paul puts reproof and correction together because he's he's calling Timothy as a minister to be wise about how he cares for the people of God that he's, he's called to look after. You know, some churches are, are very quick to rebuke. You, know, you go, go some places and, and it feels quite harsh, whereas where some churches are, are only ever gentle and they, they never deal with some of the, the harder and more difficult issues in the life of the church. Well, Paul calls us as the church of Christ to do both and to be wise in how we do that. But he says to do it with patience and, and wisdom. I won't promise we'll always get it right, but I hope you see and understand what what we're aiming for as a, as the Church of Christ, to to help one another, to call one another. Sometimes that means that means uh, being stronger in in how we do that, and sometimes it means coming alongside and being very gentle. But the fourth use of Scripture Paul gives is that it's useful for training, and again, training may sound a bit like teaching, and they are they are a bit similar. But I look at training as where the head knowledge becomes. Uh, action but Paul wants Timothy to, to use the word of God to train and equip the church to serve the Lord Paul talks in other letters about how the the church is one body with with many parts and we have to get this the all those parts working together for a single purpose to, to glorify God and to point sinners to him at grace church we want we want you to get involved we want you to serve and if you don't know how then then we're here to help. We're here to train you and to equip you for the tasks that Christ is calling you to. We know that Christ calls everyone, every believer, to do good works. Again, we have to do all four of these things well, and we have to do them in their proper proportion. What Paul is telling us is is that Scripture is not a cricket bat to be bashing people over the head with. That's not what you're meant to use a cricket bat for anyway, is it? But rather, the the Scriptures are the word of a loving Father given to his children to raise us up to be proper adults to live happy, joyful and useful lives for his glory now in light of that what, is, what does Paul say our calling is as the church of Christ Well, that's our, our fourth point, our calling is the church of Christ Paul gives Timothy uh, in, in chapter 4 the first, first four, five verses there he gives him a sacred duty doesn't he he, he charges him, that is, he, he commands him before God, the judge of both the living and the dead. And that's, that's quite a serious introduction. What does, he, what does he charge them with? To preach the scriptures. He says, preach and proclaim the word of God. I want us to, to see just two things as we, we get ready to close this morning. Two things from this. First, how we should proclaim God's word. Paul tells Timothy to do it do it all the time. Do it in season and out season. He means means do it when you feel like it and do it when you don't. Proclaim the word of God all the time. He says proclaim it when people are willing to listen and when they aren't. He says just keep proclaiming it. Preach the word. The purpose of the church is not to be uh, a club for do-gooders. It's a place that is to call sinners to faith and repentance in Christ. So when the the God who made them and, and judges them that he'll find them righteous through the through his son. Timothy's told to, to do this with both boldness and with patience and, and gentleness. Did you see that? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Be bold. Don't fear. Don't pull your punches. This is desperate truth that people need to hear because, because they're perishing without it. At the same time, be patient and teach them. Show gentleness and patience because. These, these perishing people are, are ignorant. No one's taught them the truth. We hear that in that much of, of the heart of Christ for sinners, don't we? He has compassion on them. But compassion has to be both bold and, and, and can feel hard at times. But at heart, it's loving and it's gentle and it's patient, wanting what is right and what is good and best for the person made in God's image. Now second, notice how how we as God's people ought to listen to God's word. We have to listen with hearts and minds that are soft and open to being taught its truth. We see that in the fact that that Paul warns Timothy that our our hearts are naturally prone to wander, aren't they? Verses 3 and 4, chapter 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. By having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. Paul's talking about us here. He's talking about you and I. And our friends and our family. And our colleagues and, and strangers we've not even met. And he says we love to, to think we're smarter and wiser and more moral than, than we actually are. Even the good things we, we do, we, we twist to evil purposes. Like sheep, we wander and go astray. And our lives end up in, in pits of despair that we we can't escape, and that's why we so desperately need God's word. Even when we don't want to hear it, even when it's it's painful, we need God's word, boldly and honestly, and lovingly proclaimed to our hearts, because in it is life. See, we can we can wander from from one person who, who tells us one thing and, and, and see if that works for a bit. And we can wander to another person who who uh, might tell us something else and, and that might help. But, but what Paul says we desperately need is the word of God proclaimed to our hearts every single day. So what kind of church have you walked into this morning? Well, you've t- walked into a church full of stubborn sinners, led by stubborn sinners, but who are desperate to know the living God. And the only way for us to know him is in his words. We believe that not only because Paul says it here, but because we see that in Christ. When we look to Christ, when we when we see him in his word, when you when you truly begin to, to hear him and, and understand him and, and to, to hear his gracious call to repent and believe in him, then we cannot help as his people to echo the words of the Apostle Paul that, that he uttered or the Apostle Peter that he uttered so long ago. When he, when he saw Christ, he says, where else could we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you, Christ Jesus, are the Holy One of God. And that is the truth that is contained in Scripture. That is the truth that we need to hear each and every day of our lives. And that is the, the truth that's been spoken into our world in the Old and New Testament. Because all scripture is breathed out by God. Let us pray.